welcome everybody. This week we have Lee um, chatting with us across the pond. Hello, Lee. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You all right? I'm doing good. For everybody out there that has not gotten to um, hear Lee, we have done some great across the ponds. We've also had some neat non-binary conversations, um, relationships, dating. And so we have adventured a lot. Also, if you happen to go on YouTube and you watch any of my stuff, you will see that it did change quite a bit because um, they now do the editing for me and um, the video. And so it looks a lot more professional (laughs) and I'm getting to work with them (laughs) it it just it looks like a nice nice you know nice little product now doesn't it rather than just you know a a, a kind of amateur you know it is amateur but like it's an an amateur you know get to go kind of does a bit more justice to some of the guests that you have on there have some great conversations it just seemed a shame not to have the bells and whistles of having an intro and an outro, which is basically all I do, really. And edit out any bits where Melinda kind of goes, yeah. uh, no, Lee, can you take that out, please? Because I don't know where I was going and I've lost my train. Can we just, okay. And then. <laughs> like, Thank you. I was about to say, no, no. Did you write together? <laughs> No, no, you have to do a lot more of the wiggling through my content. Um, it's kind of interesting that they call it um, Melinda, Melindaism or, you know, my family's. Yeah. yeah. Melinda. They're like, we've, we're getting better at figuring out that language. So anyway, so Lee does a lot of that deciphering um, on top of being a good friend. They're, they're great um, at doing the product. And that's been really neat to me because now my, I feel like, something that I love has now been kind of cradled and I like that and taking care yeah, of it. it's your baby it's your little uh it's your project as such you know but like it's it's nice for me to be able to say to you this is your product but but I can put it in a nice neat bow for you <laughs> yes I love it I love it you know and on top of doing that Lee has let me torment them with the conversation <laughs> and so this has been so- I don't have torment it's, it has been an adjustment because I haven't um everything what we're talking about is finding me a wife but for those of you that don't follow or haven't watched previous episodes I I volunteered to allow Melinda to give me a different perspective in my approach to dating than I'd had before because clearly it wasn't working for me because of uh I was coming up against different hurdles they weren't always the same one that would have been far too easy to solve but there was you know but but actually what I think what, what worked for me was the fundamental shift in thinking that we talked about in the last episode I think which was when we just discussed just now off camera about how changing the attitude about how you appear as the person rather than saying um, if someone comes along, then I'm just going to, no, no, no. Be intentional with your intention. My intention from from uh, the beginning of, uh, certainly the beginning of this year or middle of last year was to find um, a, a person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Not just, oh, if someone comes along and I fall in love, then we'll do this, that and the other. It's a fundamental switch round, and then the then the the second part of that being, um, how do I really looking at how who it is that I turn up as, because 
what I realized in that just that sentence that you gave me about recognizing how you had appeared in your previous relationships compared to how you appear in your marriage was that I really was not putting forward a face to attract the right honeybee, right? So if you're if you're putting out this over and over again and you're getting back XYZ, but XYZ isn't what you want, then just need to stop putting out what you're putting out because it's clearly not attracting the one that you want to attract, right? Really logically, I put that into very pragmatic kind of thinking yeah. and kind of was like, okay, so... It's not so much as saying what's wrong with me or what am I doing wrong. It's not about right or wrong. It's just nope. I'm not putting forward um, an honest depiction of exactly who I am in a lot of ways. And I think that's really kind of key, really, is to say that it was more about saying um, I think I was lying to myself about what I was putting forward as my best self. You know, I don't think that was an honest conversation with myself. But did you, okay, and so yes, this this was, it, it started off about, you know, just this relationship kind of chitter chatter back and forth between friends. And then I was like, yeah, this might be actually fun. And we could, we could really learn something from this. And so Lee was willing to jump in and, and we have, we didn't, we did have some really good conversations and I yeah. do like, I like whenever I listened back to the other ones how you just kept going, wait a minute, let me think about that. And then you would kind of keep evolving it. And, and that sent a really good message because it's like, okay, I don't know that I have a set perspective, but what I do know is that I want healthy. Yeah. You know? And if, and I, the thing about knowing that where you are, is not where you want to be and understanding that you got yourself to where you want to be is that you're not relinquishing power or control over your destiny by allowing someone else to take give a perspective on your direction or even to give them the wheel for a bit and go, okay, will you drive for a minute then? Let's see how you, you know, where, where we go with that. That's not losing any of my autonomy and in, in quite the opposite is actually being more humble in the face of, I don't know everything. I don't know that I'm putting forward the, the best face of myself. I'm not arrogant enough to think that I'm the finished article. I honestly don't think that if you're a real honest human being that you don't, that you ever stop evolving. Oh, I um, hope not. Not until the day I die. I hope I right, die. Right. <laughs> right. Because honestly, it would be awful for me. It would. It, and I've spent a lot of my life under the cosh of mental health, being stuck or feeling stuck. And 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 that thought, that thought of being permanently where I am and constantly going through the same rigmarole with dating, where I'm constantly doing the same things over and over, feels like the definition of madness to me. So to me, it's changed the cards to get a different result, right? So mm -hmm. you can't keep sitting down with the same cards, expect a different result. You've got to change the cards. And the only way to do that is to bring in another think, another brain, another thinker, and someone else who's maybe got a completely different perspective. And rather than farm it out to everybody where, you know, your public, um, I mean, this is fairly public, but your, your public property, in a sense, where you say, you know, a lot of people will use in, um uh, social media that way and they'll say oh and you'll see and I feel quite sorry for a lot of people sometimes on Facebook where you see these forlorn posts about people saying oh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong it's always the same because you do the same thing every time you do the same thing every time it's not that the other people and that you you know you are attracting those people to you one way or another and you are allowing them into your private intimate space you 
you have you know, it. You know, sometimes that even comes from, and like some people, you know, they think, oh no, you don't attract everything. So what it happens is, is that sometimes it's even perpetuating the cycle because you don't know not to attract the same thing. So it's not like some people, you know, it, like you, it's not like you were mal- maliciously setting out to, you know, find certain personalities, but it's like this, oh, wait, if I've never looked at this and torn this apart, how do I even know that what I'm looking for is what I think I'm looking for? Right. And how do I know that if I think I found what I'm looking for, that that's a true thought or I'm repeating that cycle again? Yes. So, yes. And the answer, the answer really to that is to say, how do I feel in my body? when I approach other people and for me that's very for me that's what works because my body is my barometer you know it will tell me you know being PTSD and CPTSD and trauma it 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 tells me if I'm not safe it's not always right sometimes it's very wrong because it reads a situation that's safe as unsafe so um, it's a very um, unemotional computer your brain in some respects it just knows what's safe and what isn't it just goes back there, scoops up all yeah, the information from yeah. the mimicking. It is, it is the evidence that this is safe. <laughs> I don't care what your logical brain says. We yeah. say, here's the evidence that's not safe. So so in the in respect of romance, when it comes to picking um, candidates to date, what was happening was I realized I was picking the same types of women over and over again. Different women, vastly different as far as demographics, size, you know, um, creed, race, cut, everything, vastly different, all of them, if you line them up in a row. God, that'd be an awful firing squad. But anyway. Um, I was about to say, that's like a living hell to me. <laughs> um, that's the 15th level of hell in Dante's Inferno. But anyway, I, so, it, it, but what they, what was common in them, obviously I'm the common denominator. So, so I'd say, okay, if I'm the common denominator, what is it that I am literally attaching onto these people that I'm saying is is good enough to be my partner? And when I'm and I'm using the phrase "good enough" because frequently the alarming thing was that I was settling. You lower your standards. I was so that you can have accomplished the goal you think, but then what happens is that you accomplish the wrong goal. Yeah, because you move the goalposts. You literally move the goals. It's not the same at- achievement. You think somebody oh, was goal. listening. Somebody's been listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> attention when something's important, apparently. So uh yeah, but like it it did transform how I was looking at women in a general in a general way, because I was like, I need to stop, and quite honestly, I need to stop thinking with my pants and think with my head and my heart. And I, I know, I know that's like you know a little cutting it a little bit fine, but you know we do talk about intimate things on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you do let your pants do your thinking for you, yeah, you'll have a good time. Yeah, you probably may even last for a little while. But that's the point: is it's about lasting for a little while. It's not about being with somebody that you're necessarily going to have be able to grow with. Because fundamentally, what doesn't happen if you if you lead with sex is you don't do build the foundations. And if you don't build the foundations, you therefore do not have a sturdy structure. Correct. Period. Oh, I so believe in that. I do I so do. believe in that. I mean, I if you're wanting sex, then, hey, have a good time. Make sure you find the right partner. Right. Make sure you ask all the but, right questions. But, but, but have a good time. But, that relationship yes. is just that. That's the goal. That's what's obtained. 
trying to push it or make it be anything more than that is futile because it never will be because it was never built on that to start with unless you tear it all down withdraw sexual attention and start from mm-hmm. the say right we're going to date now and if that other person can't reciprocate that it's not going to be and uh one of the things that 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 i i found is that um when I, after my last relationship, which was pretty much purely sexual, I then got into, realized that what I was wanted to do was stop reacting and think before I react to a woman. So there were several women that I was interested in, but I was looking at how, why am I interested in this woman? What is interesting to me? Obviously, I'm red-blooded, you know, I have a sexual appetite, there has to be a some kind of sexual attraction but I'm thinking more and more as I get older that perhaps uh I'm more demisexual than I believed was was I really was because I didn't realize that um who I was appearing in those sexual relationships as is not who I appear in my healthy relationships as they're completely different people they have different boundaries they have different standards I'm glad that you I'm glad that you were okay and you didn't attach like a, a right and wrong with that because sometimes it's like, ooh, that's awesome. Like this is this is who I am. It's all me. You know, it's it's just it's not wrong. It's right for them, but it's not necessarily gonna be the right fit for what the goal was to attain. And mm-hmm. the goal that I wanted to attain, wanted to stop messing about because you know, sex is great. Don't get me wrong. I love having, you know, sexual relationships. It's it's fun, it's exciting, it's you know, thrilling. Um, but ultimately, it's empty because what's not being fed is my heart. What's not being fed are my boundaries as far as trust, as far as, you know, intimacy, as far as intellect. Because intellectual intimacy for me is is the most intimate I can be, which is why in past conversations, maybe not with you, but with other friends, I've talked about having this poly relationship with my friends where I spread the the the, the emotional load of my emotions around a group of people there's a group of about half a dozen people who have my close consort and they're like my little you know polycule if you like of like if that's even the right word of like people that we literally have emotional intimacy with mm-hmm. there's no sexual connotations whatsoever because the boundaries are talked about from the very very beginning one of my stipulations is the first boundary here's the the, the rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club, right? But the rule of being friends with me, especially in that intimate inter, inner circle, is that everything has to be talked about. So that's number one, is if there's feeling, talk about it. If this it feels ick, say it. If it feels angry, say it. It doesn't matter about the timing. Oh, but you're about to go off to work. I don't care. I don't want that much. Just say it. We will deal with that because nothing can ever be as bad said out loud there in the moment than it will become if you do not say it. I it agree. will become bigger and fester and yeah. Because then it's, so, it's other stuff attached to right, it. Right. So so given that I have the, the the support network of this little group of people, right? So I have my very close confidant friends and they get all my intimacy. So it, it's almost a, a relief sometimes for some of my past sexual relationships because they know that they don't have to do that. They don't have to be that for me. I have that in other people. I don't need that from you. What I need from you is sexual and physical, right? That kind of intimacy. 
So they, they, in some respects, understood where those boundaries were. And like if some of them tried to push out of that, trying to, trying to make it into a relationship. Others did wanted less. And none of those worked out. Um, but one thing that had never happened was that one of these friends that were in that intimacy of, of connection, real connected int- intimacy, which is far, far deeper and purer to me in love terms mm-hmm. than any sexual love. And for me personally, that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um had never actually crossed over into the next stage of next stage, if there is a next stage, but the next evolution of that friendship being a relationship. I've often talked about, talked to people who have fallen for friends or colleagues or people that they knew, or, oh, I went to school, high school with this person. I didn't see them for 10 years, but then I saw them again and we started being friends for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden we realized, da, da, da. And I'm like, really? You didn't know that that really how long have you known this person? You, you didn't like. There were different people at that time. Right. My 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 critical like you know um, um, uh, um, uh, opinion on their relationships was based on my own bias to my own projection. Right. Oh. Okay. Right. So, so bearing in mind where I was coming from. So if you think about that and add that into it. Um, Really, the next the, the, what I should should when we were having these conversations was I should be looking around at my friends. You know, or at least when I start dating, there should be an understanding that there's no sexual intimacy and for a set period of time, perhaps. You know, that would have been a road that I could have gone down of saying, you know, if I start dating someone and I feel, you know, my pants is doing the talking, then perhaps I pull back from that. And if mm-hmm. they want to stick around, great. If they don't, red flag. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but they had never happened for me. I'd never, you know, for me, because I think firmly, basically, because when boundaries get put in place, often I'm the one that's doing it because they're for my own safety. A lot of the time I, I spend a lot of my time, believe it or not, feeling anxious and afraid in my own body, mostly on a daily basis. So I spend a lot of my time negating those really quite horrendous feelings about not feeling safe about you know I just heard noise just now for example that I know there's a storm so my brain in the middle of the sentence has had to say to myself calm down because you heard your heart go your brain went up you know and even now my words mm-hmm. are coming out because I need to go and investigate it but I don't need to go and investigate it because I'm in a safe place this is a safe home that's a storm you know, so given that all that energy goes into those boundaries and that fear, it means that it's very important to me that those boundaries stay in place. So if I put a boundary in place with someone as a friendship, I'm mm-hmm. going to be upset if they start flirting. I am going to be upset because that's not what we You discussed. and I have talked about that before. And that's right. Yeah. No, no, that's not what I negotiated, you know. Right. And, and I- we can talk about that, but you can't just yeah. drop that and suddenly change the boundary and then get upset because I don't reciprocate yes 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 codependent anybody because that's what that sounds like to me so so yeah so it's 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 a it's it's normally my line I usually say (laughs) that (laughs) yeah but when you've been in therapy some years you pick a few things up you know or if you don't you don't you're in trouble like I I have picked a few things up but but I'm I'm not a therapist I'm just someone I'm known as an expert patient on my condition bipolar because I've had it for a long time um but that's that's about all kidding aside yes right exactly so boundaries is what we're talking about boundaries really um boundaries for myself boundaries around dating 
you know, had to be looked at. So I had to look at who I was, what I was doing. And I think who I was and who I was appearing does fundamentally tie into the boundaries because I know where I stand. And that's what this is all about. It's about me knowing where I stand because I have very severe rejection sensitivity. So I need to know where I stand with people right to the point of friends. I will feel paranoid that I've done something wrong and will have to text someone and go, did I? So did I? Did I? Did I? You know, and I have other friends that go, I'm so glad that you sent that. No, don't be silly. But they then see the space to do the same thing. So it negates all of those little iggly, iggly, niggly things that go on in our brains and gives us absolute security and comfort in those friendships because we know how safe they are. So safety is paramount in friendships for me. And introducing romance into a friendship situation for me is scary and unsafe because it's unpredictable and it could be wrecking a perfectly good friendship you know that means that values that i'm valued that value is valuable enough to me for me to bother to build a proper boundary with it mm-hmm. you know um and so to to ever to even think or even look at one of my friends in a sexual way i would switch that off no yes they're a beautiful woman you can tell them they're a beautiful woman but what you cannot do is have any Absolutely. fantasies about having that any further unless you sit down and voice that with them and if you haven't got the guts to tell them that you've got a crush then you've got no right having that crush this is to me only not to anybody else i don't want anybody going well i can have a crush well, if i want also I this is just for me, remember. Also, I, I want to interject also that we are not talking about polyamorous relationships or mm-hmm. anything else. We are strictly talking about people who are choosing monogamous relationships. And these yeah. are their, and you know, lead, these are their boundaries that these they've set. Boundaries. Very, mm-hmm. very specific. Thank boundaries. you for clarifying that. As yeah. I said, because of my past and because of my mental health and my issues, I have to have absolute security. I need to feel safe. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 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 45 years old, but Same. sometimes, you know, I'm five. You know, I ha- I I'm not in a an intellect way, but in a fear way, I am. You know, and I have to acknowledge that those are lifetime conditions that I've I've dealt. You know, I've I've come to terms with the fact that I have to spend my life dealing with those conditions. One of those things is to have these boundaries. So I've got very good over the last at least six or seven years now, elocuting those um boundaries to people and giving them um an olive branch opportunity to do them with me some people try can't do it get aggressive with me but but they're all red flags that you can't do boundaries off you pop Mm -hmm. my dear we can still be friends but you are not in the inner circle because you are an unsafe person and that's because you've got growth to do people that are at the level show themselves up in those boundaries by going great this is what I need. And I go, great, that's what you need. This is what I need. We're on We're on a roll here. And the other thing to understand fundamentally is that they're not walls. They're boundaries. Boundaries are not walls. Yes. They're elastic. Correct. Dissolvable and remakeable with new parameters. You yeah. You move them, you change them. They look different. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean yes. any diminished, anything's diminished. It doesn't mean that anything is taken away from the boundaries you had before not being the right ones or being wrong. There is no binary thinking when it comes to boundaries. It has to be absolutely spectrum flexible to account, to account for people, you know. Um, yes. So, you know, all that to say, um, pretty much, yeah. So... <laughs> 
those are some of the things, right? And yeah, so, okay, so those are some of the things that happened. And then, and then I, the so challenge. I changed my mindset, thanks to you anyway. I changed, no. I changed, you know, what I was, who who I was appearing as. And I kind of doubled down on my friendships and decided that while I was trying to look for this woman that was going to be my life partner, um, I would put all my love and attention into my close group of friends, you know, and then, and then uh, one of my friends uh, was going through changes of their own and I was supporting them like I do. I've supported many women through divorces, late in life, lesbian, lots of people in my you know social groups have gone through those issues and I've supported them through that. This was no different. But then there were a couple of people that observed me, me, me and this person together and were like, uh, hmm. like, we know what you're like when it comes to boundaries. So what's going on here? Because this looks like a grey boundary to me. That's not a friendship. And I was like, shut up. We've talked about boundaries. We know what we're doing. We, you know, this is the rules. This is where we stand. We're both doing the rules. What are you talking about? And then um, because of the beauty of the Internet and um, the fact that um, me and this person were supporting each other um, through TikTok predominantly, it's how we met. Um, so we were um, on lives together. And it was that it was that footage that both of us had to go back and look at and go, I think we need to look at our boundaries again. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, it's not unusual for me to help a friend through a divorce, for example, and our contact to become daily. That's not unusual. That's happened before. And, you know, friends of mine have even actually gone, been very good friends, come through their divorce. And then a couple of years later, our friendship has just kind of waned. And now I'm not even sure why we don't talk anymore. We just don't. But, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's that's that's went from daily contact, you know, several texts a day, every day, while they needed that support. And perhaps I needed them for something, too, because it's never really one way. That's another rule Correct. of mine. If I feel that it's not reciprocal that that person is leaning on me too much or too often and I'm not actually getting anything back from it, I don't have space in their life for my stuff, that's a quick exit from my life now. Yes. I don't have time for passengers anymore. Um, so, yeah, we looked at the footage together um, back in, this was mid-November. So a lot's happened in the last, what is it, three months? I think so, yeah, because we did take time off for the um, holidays and stuff. We did, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it's been like three months. And so we looked at the footage and we were like, well, I mean, and then she admitted that she had a crush on me. And I was like, okay, do I like her like that? Did I, did I, because for me, see, this is the thing when you're gay, you have gay friends, right? So, and it's difficult because you know you'll have I suppose it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight really you'll you'll be attracted to a friend at some point or another and you'll have to like switch a switch off and it's not that you're switching off your attraction to them it's that you're telling your brain that this isn't an attraction that you act on mm-hmm. this is an attraction that yes. you that you can have because you're an animal you have the attraction to someone that you've you know yes. find attractive that's allowed but what's not allowed is to go past the boundary of friendship and that that sounds very binary, but it's actually a safety boundary for me to not fall into the thing of, oh, well, I thought we were in the talking stage of, you know, da, 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 you know, assumptions and, yes. and you know, getting into, you know, people assuming that 
this is something because I'm gay, I must be telling them that I love them because I love them, love them. But I tell my friends I love them all the time. It doesn't mean I want to sleep with them, you know. Um, And putting those parameters that we discussed last year about you literally had me listing, like you were like, what are you looking for, for in a woman? And I'm like, I don't know. I know what I'm not looking for. And you're like, that list's good too. <laughs> yes. You know? I remember how scared you were of the questions. I'm like, you're doing so good at this. I can't believe you were even scared because <laughs> it's about you. <laughs> See, I think the fear was, if it was even fear, apprehension was that it yeah, was, it was, the, yeah, yeah. But like it was, it was because I was changing and, and growth is uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's as simple Correct. as that for me, is that I, I, whenever I feel uncomfortable, am I really uncomfortable with this conversation? Or is it just that this is a growth conversation and I feel uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar? Yep. Unfamiliar. And familiar can sometimes be unhealthy and unfamiliar can sometimes be. We'd, we'd already addressed that, you know, even in yep. the beginning of this podcast, as I explained, you know, we had pretty much analyzed between, you know, your professional and friendship brain had looked at my, me and my romantic past and 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 attitude towards you know looking for a partner and realized there was fundamentally something wrong here because I'm not attracting the right people to my life um allowing in but that's also hard too because I will say one of the things that we did talk about was that that had a lot of to do with like self-worth and self you know self-esteem and those kind of things and whenever you look at it it feels very selfish to say I want to make sure that the person that I meet is compatible with me, is in line with what I want, is, you know, at the same place to at least start with so that we can figure out how to grow together, right? And it feels selfish. But then whenever you say, wait a minute, but that's respecting them and me. And that's, of course, they would want someone that respects themselves in a relationship. I want somebody who respects themselves in a relationship. And it twists the tables. And then it's like, okay, so that's not selfish. That's actually giving a relationship a healthy chance by respecting yourself enough to find compatibility, to find, you know, And I think there's an attitude in there that rung a bell was you were saying about how, um, you know, there was a, you know, a kind of a, a, an idea about how we're perceived at what we perceive as being, you know, an acceptable partner is programmed into us as non-males, and this is 100% patriarchy, is that we are taught to settle. Mm-hmm. We're taught to settle because, no offence to any men listening, you're inadequate. You constantly are uh, live in a system that allows you to not come to raise the bar to an acceptable level. So non-males are taught as children, as little girls, that they have to, well... You know, he might pick his nose and he might have smelly feet, but, you know, he loves you. Oh, he might beat you, but he loves you. Oh, he might drink every day, but he loves you. Oh, but he's good to the kids. Oh, but he doesn't kick the dog. Those things I've heard in heterosexual relationships around me my entire life. And that is fundamentally the thing that I kicked against was the idea during this process was the idea that, holy shit, I had transferred that into my thinking. Believing that I was being selective, I wasn't being selective. I was being, I was settling for what I thought. Because if you tie it into that, what you just said about self-worth, we are also raised to believe as non-penis owning that we are less than penis owners. 
Correct. from children. So, so therefore, we have less standards, lower standards for everything. And that had slipped into my, my queer world in a sense of saying that, you know, we, women are no different from men in that respect. That They can get away with murder and say, well, yeah, but she loves me. Yeah, but, you know, that conversation could and has happened in yes. lesbian language. I've heard it before. There's, so that in that sex, is no, no, so the only reason the gender plays a part at all is to say that when we are given these ideas about what relationships are and how they're healthy, we're giving them to children in an impressionable age. We are forcing heterosexuality on them. We are forcing... The, the the basically marriage you know the whole thing about find the one the one there is only one in your entire life first lie find find the one and you will have to compromise because you know he'll have things you'll have things that he'll have to put up with and you'll have to put up with and it's put in that context of putting up with instead of looking at the opposite scale of that which is the pile of things they do have and then going there's this thing that they don't, but that's not important because these things are really big and they're really amazing. And that's not to ignore toxic traits. That's not what Thank I'm saying. Thank you for saying that. No, that was very well put. Very there put. are red flags. However, it is about mindset, about understanding you are worthy of having that list of pros met before looking at the cons list and going, ah, well, yeah, that'll do. That's So that change happened now. I have fairly good self-esteem these days. It's always building. I I got rid of my toxic relationship with my mother seven years ago this spring, and it transformed my personal growth because she was strangling it because I I had already evolved past her and she didn't want me to grow anymore, even if she wasn't intellectually able to understand that's what she was doing because I don't think Mm -hmm. she's bright enough to understand that's what she was doing. Um, So she... so. And in that, my self-esteem has grown and it keeps growing each month, every year. I do something, change. First thing I did was change the language I, I spoke to myself with. So instead of dropping things and going, oh, you fucking dickhead, I say, oh, that was a dickhead thing to do. Or if I do accidentally go, oh, you stupid idiot, I say, well, all right, you're not an idiot. Out loud, at the same breath, I will say now, OK, you're not an idiot, but that was an idiotic thing you did. OK, let's clean it up. Just that change changes the whole tension in my body because mm-hmm. I'm no longer because what you'll find is when you change that language, it has a domino effect because it changes your perception without you realizing it of yourself. Yeah. And you start congratulating yourself and feeling it and going, oh, look what I did. For instance, a parallel park. Right. I hate parallel park in my car. I hate it. I will look around the street, and make sure no one's in the street before I attempt it. <laughs> and I will go I won't even a, do it. I will go for a space that's like three times the size. And like there are times when I I will do it. I will look around. There's no one here. I'm doing it anyway. I'm careful. So I'll get, you know, I, I I pull up, I'll pull it in, and it's in one movement, and I'm in, and then I go, Nobody saw that. Oh my god. Did and anybody I go, see that? <laughs> I saw it. I saw yep. it really goodly. Like that was the shit. That was like, awesome. Yeah. Okay. but that's not the point I did it in that moment I congratulated myself in that moment and I didn't allow for that negative that I just gave it just then to creep in in the moment um because it you're allowed to have pride it's not a sin you're allowed to like what you're doing and and give yourself congratulations in that moment those attitudes all work towards building my self-esteem back up again 
after having years of it being suffocated. So that given, you know, all the relationships I've built friendship wise all by one in the last seven years have been on that same thread of me having a better self-esteem, having that then meant my language about myself was different. So when someone says I love you, I don't recoil anymore. I do internally a little bit still because it's a very long habit of recoiling to a very short period of time of accepting. So I'm still working on those habits, but I acknowledge mm-hmm. them and I let them go. I don't, you know, ruminate on them too much. So there's 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 that that process and then that process of understanding that because I deserve respect, I deserve better boundaries. Well, I'm the only one that can do that. So instead of just adhering to other people's boundaries and they will go, oh, what amazing friend you are. Da, 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 da. What I didn't realize I was doing was actually sacrificing my own to accommodate yes. other people. And that's actually quite toxic to me. Mm-hmm. So I stopped doing that. And those things all had to happen kind of consistently and also at the same time. So it was a domino effect, but also they were all happening at the same time. And this is what we talk about growth happening all the time is that it happens in spurts, even in children, it happens in spurts. Mm-hmm. And and those spurts had led me to on a path of, of you know, being in a community and an online community at the beginning of the pandemic that we talked about that was actually really supporting, genuinely felt I could lean on these people during the pandemic. I already had the support network when it started. I was so blessed I'd already started this journey. I don't even wish to think about what it could have been if I hadn't. Um, and it led me to all of those things. So then it meant that when I realized that I had feelings that were more than friendship for this person, I was able to look at it. Yeah. Oh God, she's doing the evil fingers for anyone that's just listening on the iPod, but she, <laughs> she, does, she does this little, you know, uh, Mr. Burns fingers well, thing. It's I'm just a, saying that I did accomplish what I set out to do. So she's taking all the credit for finding <laughs> this, 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 this relationship. Um, um which I deserve fine. none of because you did you, you y'all did the beautifulest job but I'm still going to take some credit just for the podcast sake I think I think you know honestly though Melinda I do think you do need to take some credit because you were in my mind a lot when I was you know doing this thinking about adjusting the boundaries with this person and having honest conversations mm-hmm. because I was like who am I appearing to them that's making them fall in love with me is that who I want them to fall in love with Ooh. is that really me thank you because I'm excited so, for you right and that's what you gave me because I first when you told me when you were meeting when you were dating CJ before you met CJ your wife um you were um decided that you would do this thing of of look at yourself rather than the other people and and you know and uh, who am I appearing as you know and do that and that just kept and I didn't get it at first because I was like well, then you're just projecting a different version of yourself to that person. But that's not what we were talking about. Was it really yourself that you were projecting? Yes. Yes. Or was it who you thought you needed to be to have a mate? Yes, yes, yes. And that's fundamentally the difference between in, in this new relationship that I'm in now. Um, so that leads us to... Go right I mean, ahead. This is to me blushing. <laughs> I, I, I talk about my partner, Joe. <laughs> because I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I know. But Melinda, you could have done a better job with your superpowers because she lives in America. Dude, we talked about this. I said I didn't want to do LDR again. You know? I know. 
you miss, you miss Look, it on your there's no perfection. Night. My goal was the perfect match, not location. That's all your shit to deal with. <laughs> like huh? claimer, arrow maybe shop. <laughs> no. I I think I think that like. I do. I know we did talk about, honestly, we did talk about not doing long distance relationships. And I think that one of the neat things about this is that whenever you did look at that footage, you didn't shut down and say, oh no, because that's a long distance relationship. So of course, everybody's seeing things wrong and like disconnect. Instead you went, oh wait, valid. And this is a different feel for me. So different. It's so different. And I, you know, can't really honestly believe um, I can. I know my life story, so I can believe it. But I can't honestly believe sometimes that I got to 45 without ever falling for a friend before. Like it, it I'd had crushes on, you know, friends in a sense of their aesthetic was attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so you know, they made me laugh and they were friends. So I hardly probably even saw them. So I probably never saw the bad side. I probably only saw the, you know, the funny per- side of them or you know, or the serious, whatever it was yes. that attracted me to them. And it was easy enough to box that off. Um, but you know, what 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 was different in this um this friendship even was that this friendship was fundamentally based on the fact that we had to be absolutely transparent with each other in that moment when we became very close friends because we were both so so uh in flux and in change. You know, she was going through a messy, messy divorce, having come out late in life. And um, and I was dealing with a very messy situation at my end. So it was a case of we're both very vulnerable right now. And it would be very easy for us to a trauma bond for us to mm-hmm. um, so to be uh, fall into something that, that that feels like a hero savior type thing. Correct. Uh, you know, and so there was all of those. But the difference is. She and I had them conversations. We had them conversations. And I said, listen, this looks like that. What do you feel about that? And luckily for me, she is the sort of person, human being, that is able to have those conversations with me without flinching. I've been only ever been shut down with, with girlfriends before when I've tried to talk about things like that. Like I will say, we do have a safe word for subjects that maybe will dampen the moment or can't be talked about in that moment because it's just, well, I don't want to talk about that. But we just, we just safe word it, put it to one side and say the rule of the safe word is that it's just for now that it's put to one side. Nothing is ever taken off. And then when we revisit that thing, if that's something quite, you know, emotive, like sexual assaults, um, so it's something that I've, I've suffered a couple of times in my life. So it's something that's very valid in an intimate relationship has to be talked about, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, because I still have uh, problems with sex and intimacy because of those assaults. So that's a conversation I've had, but it's not a conversation when you have over a cup of coffee when you've got 15 minutes in the morning. Correct. That's a conversation that has to happen in a long are we going to be interrupted or not by children? Are we going to be interrupted by time difference? I've got to go to bed or can we? So there were conversations that we uh, kept until we met face to face, just so that we could have the in-depth, give them the time and space that they deserved to have so that we could then just say, no, I need to talk about that no more. Not ever. It can come up again, but we can refer to it now. We don't have to talk about the details because we've done that. And 
that had only ever happened for me once in my life before in one relationship. So I've had multiple, I can't even count how many relationships I've had in my life. Um, proper girlfriends, probably only about half a dozen, but like one, one relationship was this healthy, one. And that was my, one of my very first loves um, and who is still my best friend of 29 years this year. Um, <sighs> so, yeah, we have such healthy friendships and um, relationship boundaries that we were able to split up as a romantic couple, work through all the difficulties of how we feel, knowing we didn't want to lose touch. We had to keep that literal primal pull to each other but then watch each other be with other people, watch each other fall in love with other people, watch each other fall out of love with other people, which is more painful than watching them fall in love, frankly. And then, yes. you know, and neither of us being happy with the other person's spouse for a very long time until she met the person she's with now and she's been, been with for 12 years. And I've been begging and begging and begging, will you please just get married now? Because we've spent our whole lives being illegal you can now legally you literally how much more commitment do you need you've been together over 10 years can you please just sign the paper because actually when you get into your 40s and 50s there's a real urgency about life things she's not on the lease of the house if her partner goes into hospital she's not an next of kin if she dies she doesn't get life insurance there's all things like that medical decisions Yes, you know, I'm going to tell you, you hit that spot on. It does become important. And that's one of the reasons why it was fought for. I know that's not the topic that we're talking about right now, no, but those but are conversations that are important. It's relevant to, 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 to that because, you mm -hmm. know, I've been, it's a, it's a mindset in my friends, you know, so oh, well, we don't need to be married, it's just a bit of paper. That's what we've been telling ourselves our whole lives because we were yes. illegal. Yes. That made it feel okay. It made it feel better that we were illegal. Now we're not illegal. Please, for God's sake, get that legal buffer. You know. And you you deserve, if you're in a committed yeah. relationship, you deserve right. to have the protection of insurance and, you know, You deserve to have the validity that, that everybody else can. A straight yes. couple can just know each other for two weeks, go and get married, have a baby, for Christ's sake. And everybody, yes. including the government, the health organisations, the the, the um, uh, insurance people, even the uh, as much as pensions, will all go okay that's your spouse that's your significant other now whereas I could be with someone for 10 years it would make no difference it would make no difference at all mm. so now you've got to do it so this is why the, uh, the reason this is relevant is because this is why the attitude, part of the attitude was different to me I had to alt and look at why did was I resistant to marriage up to that point you know why was it just that it was that thinking that was just so ingrained about doesn't matter who I meet I can't marry them I'm never going to have that security. In fact, there were even when I was a baby gay way back in the early 90s, um, the, the people were adopting their significant other in order to have power of attorney. You know, I mean, yep. I know. So, so yeah, so I had to really look at was it just political, you know, temper temperature, or was it was it really fundamentally that I was against, you know, the heteronormative of getting married? Yes, I was. Um, Disney can go screw itself because, you know, you lie. There isn't a Prince Charming for everyone. And the person that you're in love with now and you are married to now may evolve or grow out of you. Because that's what happened with me and my friend Chris, is we ended up evolving out of our romantic relationship. We grew out of that. And instead of just going, fuck this and leaving, we realized we had such a good communication and such a good relationship as far as connecting with each other on a 
you know, even our inner children, which we didn't recognise at the time, loved to play. And now as grown, you know, we've been friends nearly 30 years. Oh, that's awesome. Now we realise that our inner children like to do certain things and we let them do it. You know, mm. and we giggle stupidly at each other like, <laughs> that was funny. Like, you know, and like, that's okay. Like, we we wanted to do that. But like, so that was, that was, that was, that relationship did that for me. And then it was a case of, that was all part of understanding um, when you said to me about, you know, who am I appearing as? If I'm already appearing in every relationship with this brick wall of I will not get married, then that leaves no space for the other person's commitment or commitment issues, does it? Correct. It's a wall. And walls don't move. And and yeah. they don't protect. They Mm-mm. they they exclude. Yes. You know, walls are unhealthy and boundaries are healthy. They are. Look at the secret you know? garden. All that happens beyond the wall is that the garden dies because no one's tending it. You know, you're not protecting yourself with those boundaries to someone that's intimate with you. You're you're Correct. not protecting them from you or yourself from them. All that you're doing is creating an obstacle that will be the elephant in the room the entire relationship. Yes. And I've had relationships, but I even got down on one knee to one relationship where, you know, she had completely um, took off the table this particular subject that I kept going back to. It kept coming up. That was the problem. I wasn't picking at it. It just kept coming up. And this was that she'd suffered some trauma in her childhood and it kept appearing. And every time it did, she was like, I don't want to talk about this right now. But it was always, I don't want to talk about this right now. To a point where so it never got put back on the table. It's like, right. okay, you can take it off the table until it's a more secure environment to talk about it. But eventually it has to be put back on the table. And after two years, it just kept being taken off and taken off until it got to a point where we had an argument and she dropped me like a month before I was willing about to propose. So I literally had the ring picked out and we were talking about green cards and all kinds of things. So, but that was because I had ignored and settled and decided meets enough of my criteria for a relationship, you know, sexually. And, uh, you know, she has her own job. She's, you know, she's solvent. You know, the the kind of bullshit that you have, you know, do they have their own teeth? You know, like, I mean, which isn't even a thing. But like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? My grandma always used to say that because she didn't have her own teeth. don't have their own teeth for a lot of different reasons my sister being one of them most of her teeth fell out because of pregnancy so you can't even say that really because <laughs> um I know. You know. well and my dad and my my biological father had them all busted out in a motorcycle so he had dentures very young right exactly so yeah. very young exactly so it's really not but anyway you know you have this list don't you you know are they, do they like animals you know are they have they got plans for the future you know do they and that was the thing I let a lot of that go with that relationship I was like there's no you what's your plan you have no plan like I'm not asking you to list to me your 10-year plan or your five-year plan and really tell me what your aspirations are for this this and this and what you're going to do to get there this isn't a job interview but have you got aspirations or are you just happy where you are doing the grind paying into your 401k or your pension and just getting by because if that's what you want to do, great, but I'm not the one. Because that's not enough for me. I'll get bored. Yes. And when I get bored, I get nasty. 
because I get frustrated at myself for trapping myself in a bored situation. I'm not generally a boring, bored person. I don't really get bored. So when I use that word in a relationship, it really just means that I'm tired of going around in the same circles and coming up against those walls. And then also, and I, you know, and I know I'm going to let you get back because I want you to finish telling your story, but I know that whenever we, um, whenever we are in relationships and we, we do that, it's kind of like, okay, wait a minute. But if there's that connection that is authentically like, this is who I am. And they say, Hey, you're acting a little bit different and say, yeah, I'm a little bit frustrated. Like, I feel like this blah, 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 blah. But if you've projected an image that isn't congruent to who you actually are, then they might not even know. The response to that is, oh, no, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so. I I don't get away with that with this partner. (laughs) Oh, I bet you don't. (laughs) Mm -mm. Well, you know. I love this one. (laughs) I mean, we were all friends at the same time, I guess, last year. We all kind of like you know, became friends over a year period. So I've known her for almost a year, you know, but like it was never, there was never anything romantic there for me until I realized that there could be if, if we talked about it, you know, so there was a very fairly firm boundary between us that this is friendship only because we needed that safety. But there was also not available. And so that's also a different switch for you. Like whenever, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm being presumptuous. I shouldn't say that, but the human that I know of you has this kind of standard of that, like there are certain boundaries that you just don't cross. And so y'all were not available. And so actually those things didn't start picking up until after. The relationship ended, exactly. And I was in a relationship until like beginning of July, I was in a relationship, shitty, sexy relationship, sexual relationship that really was just, bullshit it was not going anywhere and it was actually I've been through therapy to to discuss about it because actually it was activating a lot of my PTSD because I was self-sacrificing and I was uh feeling codependent and I was being reactive my body was reacting fight or flight that's not the kind of butterflies I want when my phone goes off Um, come back to butterflies in a minute because they're very key in this relationship really because they yeah so but yeah so it was a case of you know and she was in a relationship as far as I knew you know she was in a relationship she'd come out of her her divorce but she was in sort of a new relationship with somebody as far as I was concerned and they had actually had had whereas actually as someone I knew too on the internet and Mm -hmm. had actually said something or two to me a couple of things to me that made me think that maybe I was becoming a threat to that relationship now that's an alarm bell first of all because that third party, that person was acting in a jealous way. And I wanted to tell my friend that person's being jealous. And I don't like that for you because you deserve better. But I can't do that when they're directing that jealousy at me. So I had no choice but to back away from the friendship and let that relationship do because I knew it would run its course because jealousy will always destroy. Always, 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 always. I don't care what anybody says. I will die on that hill. Jealousy is destructive. So um, and it came to fruition that that jealousy did indeed end up um, destroying their relationship amongst other things. Um, And I was there to support, you know, I was never there to like, look at that, look at Joe as being a love interest for me. 
if anything, I was like, you just came out of a shitty relationship. I just came out of a shitty relationship. We are not in the state to be in a in a relationship, either of us. It's not right. We need to, I don't like being a boundary. I've never been about rebounder. Never been a rebounder. Always been one to go away, look at my healing so that I don't go into my next loving relationship, bringing the damage with me so they help heal me. And then that's basically what our relationship's based around is their compassion for my broken heart. That's not who I wanted to appear as in this relationship. So we kept that boundary of friendship for a while, you know, for, for several months. And it was difficult because I was I was helping them deal with, you know, their ex plus their ex husband and I was dealing with my ex and their minions of of nasty people on the internet that were coming for me daily and and it was we were supporting each other through that so to transition into a romantic relationship felt needed to be done in a very careful way very in 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 my in my opinion very calculated way mm-hmm you know, we really needed to double down on that open conversation and put these things in in the air and say, you know, I, I'm newly out of a relationship. I'm not sure I'm ready for a relationship. You know, I don't want to do LDRs. I will not be your green card spouse. I don't want to live in America. I will not end up in medical poverty. Thank you very much. And that's the only reason I won't live in America, by the way. It's not the guns. It's the medical poverty. The fact that you, anybody is only about a paycheck away from ending up on the streets because nobody cares if you got hit by a car and you end up with three million pounds worth of nobody cares on the streets. I cannot live in a country that fundamentally it's a whole has other one. Yeah, <laughs> can't do that. So she knew that from the beginning. She knew that that would be a challenge. And she came to the table with other things as well. I've got children, little ones. I can't leave them. You know, and I'm like, well, I wouldn't expect you to. So how do we do this then? So that that given that opening statement of how do we do this then started the conversation of saying, well, this is what we could do. You know, we could try, you know, and see where that level of intimacy would go. Um, it's totally different way of approaching a relationship for me to go. Well, now I'm opening a door I already shut, which is the sexual one. Because as far as I was concerned, that was shut with her because she was in a relationship she was out of a divorce she was in a relationship then she was out of a relationship but that's all a whole lot of like support that she would need that would take away from the bonding experience of being in a relationship so it's very painful transitions right and they for her they all happened at the same time so it was incredibly hard for her um much much harder for her than it was for me i had uh, my own issues with my mental health and my physical health to deal with at the time that were quite apart but happening at the same time um and so it was a case of saying well you know can you do that can you go circle back to your initial assessment of someone as a friend and and open that sexual door and start looking at them in a sexual way yeah you can Yes, is the answer to that. <laughs> but it's it's different. It builds differently. You know, I feel like sometimes in my relationships before I, I built them on a base, a foundation of sexual attraction, that had slowly waned and waned and waned to nothing. 
Whereas I feel like it's what working in the opposite direction. In this. Because it's built on a different foundation. It's built right. on a, a fuller spectrum of intimacy, not just the attraction. And in fact, the sex is the last, you know, it's it's we have com- we will have conversations about deeper meaningfuls. We will have lives where it's both of our inner children just playing and other people are just watching like she's painting and I'm carving and we're just like having stupid jokes about our oh, god knows what you know um and all of those things are all intimate for us we all fall asleep on the phone with each other there's no sex we just fall asleep watching listening to each other and I've thought she's fallen asleep mid-sentence before I've fallen asleep in movies before but we've left each other on the phone so that we can just look over and just be like that's my person right there. I'm looking after them right now. I'm watching them. And if they wake up, then I'm there. We don't do it all the time every night. It's not feasible every single night. Um, but that's part of the LDR. And so I had mm-hmm. to train her in LDR, by the way. She's not easy. She's still learning. I've done LDRs before, as we've talked about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, my third or fourth LDR. So it's it's not, I know what to do to create intimacy to I have ideas about you know how to connect and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so I yeah we're right at the beginning we're in the very early stages of our relationship she's been here she came here at the beginning of this month on the 2nd of February um I love all the pictures she took oh my gosh yeah so cute. We, we are a pretty cute couple not gonna yeah. lie yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't care. That's the point. Is we don't care if we are or not. We love looking at pictures of ourselves together. Like I love the thing about her and the reason why we're able to move into the intimacy fairly easily is because we're both very astute. So both of us are very tuned into each other's micro expressions. When you said earlier about, you know, um someone's, you know, tech tell that someone's changed and they go what the you changed there she can tell when my brain has a different thought she'll go your energy's changed what did you just think and I'm like can you just get, can I have some privacy my <laughs> wife always says to me my wife always says to me she always says um you are not allowed to tell me my feelings before I know my feelings <laughs> she said it doesn't matter if you're right I don't want you to tell me my feelings before I know my feelings. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind it with Joe. I like it. I quite like to see. I see it as a challenge. I'm like, well, come on in. What you got? What you got? Yeah. What? What's your What's your little you know witchy witchy magic telling you about me then? And then most, she's pretty much right, hundred percent. So I'm not going to lie. But that's because she's tuned into me. Your energy. Uh, yeah. Like we are, and I, I think that's only made possible by the fact that at the very beginning we both appeared with absolute transparency, and I mean absolute. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I told her I wasn't. You know, I wouldn't want to do an LDR and da da da. But at the same time as saying I don't want to do an LDR, it wasn't nothing for me. I feel like if you've got a life that is truly ev- evolutionary, is a really a shut door. Is it really possible? well? And then also, y'all, I and without not mine to do the details of it, but I remember there were conversations um, that you mentioned that were beautiful because, like, y'all did bring to the table, even though it was like, okay, I'm not willing to do this, but then just like you were saying earlier, because both of y'all are present with processing solutions, it was like, okay, well, what about this? 
Or what about that? And I remember that that particular conversation, you being really happy because I think she brought some stuff to the table also that was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not figuring this out all on my own. I have someone participating with me. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Someone else is working on the same problem as you towards the same goal. They don't have a different end goal than you and that's the point of ODRs and about relationships in general is if you have the same end goal then you have no choice but to work together to get to that not against each other you know yeah so I do remember distinctly that conversation you did did it right are you happy yeah, well, on that note, <laughs> I need to I need to cut it here, man, because I I heard you give me credit. I mean, you know, just take your chips and leave, please. Because I was done with you winning all the time, so you can just leave now. But yeah, I mean, honestly, though, Melinda, you know, we joking and mucking about on that, but you did honestly give me an idea and a support in that direction along with my therapist and my close friends. Yes. But you were one of those close confidants as well, is to say that you, you know, and I really used your, you know, the one of the things that you've got, why this podcast is such fun for both of us, even as me as an editor, to watch your episodes with other guests, is that you do have this ability to really tune in very quickly to what the needs are of that guest as far as gearing your questions towards what you want to get from them without being manipulative of the conversation so and how that works in a friendship is you will just go well what about this like it's I'm not judging you but what about this do you think about that because my brain went there and that's all it is with you is that you're not trying to say you're doing this wrong or you're doing this right you're trying to say I look at the same situation as you and this is what I thought what do you think that's all we're talking about it's really that simple when people talk about you know how do you how do you spot a healthy relationship from an unhealthy it's that can you have those conversations without your skin crawling? Yeah. Or let me circle back one very quickly because we run out of time, but I just want to circle back quickly to butterflies because people were asking oh, yes. me when I went and met Joe, uh, when I met her at the airport, I was very lucky. I had a couple of other um, uh, TikTokers that were in the UK at the time film it for us. So we got this beautiful footage of our first embrace. Um, and people were saying, oh, my God, you must be so excited. Like, oh, no. Like, I was excited. I was thrilled that she was coming here. Um, absolutely thrilled. But I I didn't have butterflies. I don't get them very often with her at all. I get little, you know, uh, joy. Like, oh, that's Joe's ringtone. Yay. Like, you know, but like, I don't generally. And I was alarmed at first because I was like, does that mean I don't like her as much as I think I do? Like, you know, no, the truth is butterflies are a warning. The truth is that if you're, it doesn't always mean negative things, but for me, it does. For me, those butterflies mean you're leading with your pants. So because the feeling, the warmth, the wave of warmth that she gives me, the the feeling that starts in my belly and washes up over my body in like a warm embrace is far more deep and connecting to me and her soul. I have to surrender to it and let it happen in my body. It's not anything like fight or flight, which is exactly what butterflies are. They, For me, they are reverse fight or flight. For me, it's like an exciting, but it's your body going, oh, we know what this is. 
yeah, like, <clears throat> yeah, but we also know what that destination, end destination always ends up as. And that's not you being with somebody. So I was tried very hard not to focus on the things that weren't there and focused in on what was there instead. You know, it wasn't a void because the butterflies weren't there. There was something else there that I hadn't seen or recognized before. So, you know, I don't not to say that butterflies are that way for everybody, but for Correct. me, it was very much something that I had to look at and go, it's not a bad thing if there's no butterflies. Sometimes it means you feel safe. Spot on. Spot on. Sometimes it means that you're exactly where you're at. You don't have to rush a thing. You don't have to be overexcited or be. Yeah, the excitement of I've got to say the right thing. And now I've got to one up what they did for me. And they did this thing. So I'm going to do this thing. And now they did that nice thing. So I'm going to do a thirst trap for them. And that that whole tit for tat reciprocal thing is great, but it's transactional. And I don't like transactional. Because it leads Transac- to resentment. Yes, so transactional world, does. No, but you know, if, if you if, what if you didn't do me a thirst trap back, and then I'm sat there. Well, I did you a thirst trap. That's how I, this relationship is. It's recipro- it's reciprocal, but it's also transactional. I did something for you. Now you do something for me. That's how this works. So that and that's those relationships that all had butterflies were all transactional. That way, I would get something, I would give them something, they would get something from me, so they would give me something. That's not how it works with me and Joe at all. So, and our connection is deeper, far, far deeper than I, we even realised when we were friend, like just in the friend zone. We didn't even realise that that connection was there. So other people noticed it. Other people were like, so I love when uh, other people have said, oh, we knew that you two would get together and da, 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 da. But I always stick with the pinch of salt is to say, you saw what you saw in five minutes on social media. You don't know me. Even some people, if they've listened to every single episode that I've been in your podcast, they still don't know me, you know, so. Well, and I think that's why I wanted to kind of reiterate the fact that I do remember those conversations and I do remember like us having conversations, you know, um, about relationships and about, you know, loyalty and about what that looks like and how, no, no, that's where that line is for me. And so, yes, people may have saw it, but it wasn't what y'all were looking for. Y'all were just experiencing it. Yeah. But sometimes you may have seen something and translated that into your idea of what that is. But as far as I was concerned, the eyes that I was looking through and into were the eyes of my friend, my who became my best friend in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. when I say my best friend, this isn't, you know, grade school. I have many best friends. I have a group Correct. of best friends, as you know, as you are one of them, that graduate from social media onto my mobile phone. And I have to keep that group small because I don't have the capacity to give an honest appearance of my friendship to everybody if there's too many people there. So I know in order to enrich my friend's life, I have to keep my inner circle very small. So, um, but she very quickly got into that group very, very quickly with her pure honesty, you know, and integrity. Her honesty and integrity was the thing that I was most attracted to. I mean, and, and you know, the fact that she's goofy and funny. And her humor and her Yeah, there's so her. many. Yeah, she's artistic. She's growing. She's in therapy. Deal breaker. You have to oh be in gosh. therapy if you're my partner. 
you know, not because I told you to go therapy, but you're already in therapy. No. No, you. It's like, but are you willing to see a different perspective? And are you willing to deal with some things that might be hard to deal with, but they're going to be harder down the road? You know, no. I, I think that's. I think that's a good one. Um, okay, yeah. so, so I'm excited to say that you are well on your way to a, and already started a wonderful relationship, and I'm yep. so glad that this got to be the next one that we did. Yeah. Um, because I know that, that we have cool that we start that to kick do. off the year with a positive podcast to say our across the ponds uh, project has changed. We'll still be talking about relationships. We'll still be oh, talking yes. about, you know, uh, the nuances of being in a relationship because I, I'm still pre-surgery. I have my first appointment in September. There's still a lot of episodes that we'll have coming up to do with non-binary stuff and surgeries and, you know, and even therapy around surgeries and trans issues because I'm on the show. So, and, and yeah. those of which I'm not necessarily an expert on, but I can speak from my mind, from what I experienced. So, you know, we'll be talking less about finding me a wife, but more about all those other subjects throughout the year, won't we? We'll have those episodes. We're planning those. So it was nice to start the yeah. year off with that positive. <laughs> I know. I was so excited to do this one because I was yeah. like, this is really cool. Like, this is going to be a neat start. And then there are some that we've talked about that I'm excited about. Also about some comparison, like even just a minute ago, whenever you brought up, as far as like differences, you know, from where you are and where I am and how it supports the queer community and those things. Like that's something that I want to talk about. And I know that um, the listeners would love to hear different perspectives and and what that looks like. So I'm excited about the future for this year. We've got some cool relationships uh, um, episodes coming up. And yeah, I know I'm excited. Yeah, And I'm also excited about this wonderful journey in your life and, and, yeah, how I see it, just it makes everything so much easier. Just makes things easy. Just knowing you don't have that. I haven't got that thing now in my brain where I'm like lonely. I don't really get lonely as such because I love my own company. I know it sounds arrogant, but I do. I enjoy the things I do on my own, my projects and that. We can sit in silence while I'm working. That's how I know. We can sit in a drive and not speak and she'll just hold my hand and I'll be sitting there singing to the radio and we will drive for 40 minutes and not say anything. That's how I know she's my person. That's one of the ways. There's many, but that's one of them. There's many, but that's one of them. The fact we can play and be silly and laugh and joke. And there's so many reasons why I know she's my person. Well, there's like, like a yeah, I was going to say that there's probably like a million because it's connection. And there's nothing yeah. that you're having to grab it and say, this is the one reason why I think this is. Yeah. This. And I can't, I'm not trying to keep her here yes. by giving her something that she's craving, which is what those sexual transactional relationships are about. Yes. I must give them this or they're going to go look for it elsewhere. Right. Yep. So, Willie, thank you so much. Um, this is kind of a good place for us to stop. And I look yep. forward to maybe having some other conversations with you in the future. I'm on it. Yep. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we hopped off? Um, the only thing I want to mention really quickly is start to use this platform a little bit more to advertise myself is I am the Rainbow Carver on um, TikTok and Instagram. Um, I'm also the one with the tools on Instagram, which is the account that's linked to my TikTok, the Rainbow Carver. Um, so if you have come here from social media, you already know that. If you haven't and you come here from uh, podcast land or YouTube land, please go and check out my Instagram and my um, TikTok because TikTok's just for fun, but my Instagram is where I sell my wares, what I do. I'm a carver. I make um, spoons, and I just finished 
a little Harry Potter wand for um for Joe. Made out of walnut and inlaid, hand inlaid with another piece of wood. And I have another one on the go at the moment. So that's what I do in my little hobbies. So please go and check me out there. Um website is under construction, but that's coming soon. But that's all I really wanted to say and to thank everybody for listening and you for great interview again. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yourself. Well, I will make sure to have those um, links put in there. I'll ask the editor. <laughs> I will put them in the bio, yeah. <laughs> to make sure. Um, and, and I'll have make sure that those are, are listed in that. That leads me to thank you wonderful humans out there. Um, we appreciate you joining us for the chat. Um, and we look forward to seeing you at the next episode of Melinda Chats and Melinda Chats Across the Pond. Yes. Lee. <laughs> And please remember to be kind and present with yourself. Hi, everybody. Melinda here with Melinda Chats. This is a reminder that this is not a therapy session, nor is it a replacement for your personal relationship with your therapist. If anything that we discuss here brings something to the surface that you feel like you need to talk about, please reach out to your therapist. Or if you want to reach out to me, you can find me at mcpcounseling.com. And I'll be more than happy to help. That leads me to thank you wonderful humans for being here with us for this chat. We look forward to seeing you for the next episode on Melinda Chats. Please remember, be kind and present with yourself.